My name is Dave Hollenbach, the host of From Members to Excellence, a podcast that explores the many facets of leadership from the perspectives of some amazing people. We discuss the triumphs and failures that have shaped our lives and our leadership philosophies. I've found that it isn't whether we fail that defines us, but when we do fail, how we respond. Leaders dust off the ashes and use their failures as fuel to work harder and as lessons to come back wiser and stronger, more resilient, more determined, and more committed to excellence. Today I'm speaking with Ben Baker, founder of the podcast host for Hire. He is also the host of your livingbrand.live podcast, which has over 270 episodes. He's written two books and um, you, do, you do speaking engagements where you discuss leadership, you teach leadership, um, communication skills, that sort of thing. Uh, I'd like to get into that, but I'd first like to get a little bit about your background. Now you're, you're in Canada, correct? Yeah, Dave. I, you know, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. I was originally from Minneapolis. I've, I've lived, I've lived everywhere. I've lived in LA. I've lived in New York, Toronto. I've lived in overseas in Israel for three years, but Vancouver has really been home for me since 1974. So I've, I've, you know, I've left and come back and left and come back a half dozen times, but you know, Vancouver, Vancouver up in Canada has, has always been home. Uh, Give you a little bit of a background, not not to go too deep. I've been in the communications game and leadership development for probably 25 or more years. I started off, you know, in communication with direct mail and killed a lot of trees. We really took a look at is this how many how many pieces of direct mail can we put out there? We we killed a lot of trees. And it's come down to over the years, how do we help companies communicate? How do we allow people within the companies to communicate? And that's really where our leadership training has come from. My second book is called Leading Beyond a Crisis, a conversation about what's next. That was written during COVID. It came out of a podcast that we did together with my uh, co-author, Claire Chandler. But you know, the focus of the work that I do is how do I enable people to make sure that they're listened to, understood, and valued? And, you know, that's, that's really, truly who I am. How did you find yourself uh, teaching leadership and, and communication? Yeah, I mean, the, the leadership really came through the communication. And, you know, we started off with doing branding for companies and then internal branding. And then I started dealing with leaders. And, you know, through the conversation, we'd sit there and say, well, how are you motivating your people? How are you getting them to understand what you're doing? How are you getting them to understand what you want them to do? How do you enable them to do that? And it really came down to me a psychological exercise of realizing that until you can teach leaders how to communicate, they're not going to communicate effectively. And too many leaders, unfortunately, are you know uh, derivatives of the Peter Principle, especially your frontline leaders, you know, they're, they're, they're promoted to their level of incompetence. And a lot of it has nothing to do with them because they're not trained. We, we as, you know, individuals are become great tacticians. We're really good at what we do. You know, taking the fire department, for example, you know, you have, you have people within the fire department that are really, really good fire, 
firemen and firewomen. They're they're amazing what they do. They're you know they're thoughtful. They they become good team leaders, and they then they get promoted. And within many organizations, they're promoted, but they're not given the training. So they go from being tacticians and good at you know doing it the actual job to having to teach other people how to do that same job and motivate the people how to do that job and communicate with people how to do that job. And most people are not able to make that shift because they're not trained how to do it. It's a different mentality. It's a different skill set. Um, and that's something that is just not, you know, people in, don't invest in people enough to give them the skills that they need to succeed as they grow their career. And that's really where we got into is, is realizing that that dichotomy and working with organizations say, look, it, you know, we can help you communicate all you want. But if your people don't know how to effectively communicate this as leaders, there's not going to be any real change within your organization. You made me think of a, uh, a book that I read early on in my whole uh, leadership journey. It's um, Leading Change by John Cotter. Yeah. And one of the things that, that he talks about is, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times when organizations grow rapidly, they don't have the, the ability to develop their leaders um, uh, to keep pace with the growth of the organization. So you end up with a lot of managers because it's easier to give somebody authority to manage processes than actually teach somebody how to lead and inspire and communicate. And, and so I, I think it's pretty amazing what you're doing. And, and maybe, maybe for the, the listeners, you, could, you can talk a little bit about uh, how best to communicate when you're in a position of leadership. Um, and well, let's, Maybe just yeah. Let's let's, let's, let's get into that. I mean, yeah. it's it's it's. You're right. It's manage process, lead people, and very few people understand the dichotomy between this. I love Simon Sinek in his Start with Why video, and he goes in the difference between a manager and a leader. A manager sees somebody that was late five days in a row, and goes up to the person and says, "You know what? You've been late five days in a row. If you're late number six, you're going to be fired." And the leader goes up to that same person and says, look, I noticed you've been late for five days in a row. Is anything wrong? And that's the key difference. It's understanding that there's a human being that's coming to the table. We all walk into whatever office we're in, whether you know, we're work from home or we're actually going to the office or whatever dynamic we're in. And we bring our world with us. We, we're not automatons that all of a sudden we're this person when we're at home and we're this person when we're at the office. You know, our wants, our needs, our desires, our dreams, our fears all come with us. And it's a good leader understands that and realizes that what works for person X is not going to work for person Y. And we need to understand the people that we're working with and able to be able to lead them effectively. So that's really where I, I take a look at where I start and sit there and say, how well do you know your people? How well do you actually know them as human beings? When was the last time you went out for a cup of coffee with them or had a conversation with them one-on-one -on -one and found out about what do they really want to do over the next five years? 
What are their math skills? What are the things that they're passionate about outside the office? What are their hobbies? Because you could have somebody that is absolutely a frustrated marketing person, you know, working in the accounting department. And they just, they absolutely, they want to do marketing. They're passionate about communication, but they're stuck in a communications, or sorry, they're stuck in an accounting role. And if you can realize that and say, hey, listen, I'm going to lose this great employee, but I'm going to allow them to be better and be more effective for the company in the long term and stay with us and be able to grow and help the company, you know, thrive and survive. That's my role as a leader. My role as a leader is not to look at my own individual self-serving needs, but what are the needs of the company and what are the needs of the people that I'm serving? And how do we have the conversations with these people to understand what is, what's motivating them? You know, what's scaring them? What's, you know, what, what are they unsure of? What are the, you know, what are the things that they want to do moving forward? And when we understand all those things on an ongoing basis, we're able to be able to be better leaders because we can help them achieve their goals while achieving the goals of the company. That's awesome. I, I was wondering if we could do kind of like a little hypothetical exercise here where, um, because right now, and, and I've had this conversation with quite a few people and, um, in, in the fire service across the country, there is uh, somewhat of a leadership vacuum. There, you know, it's not 100%, but I'd say that it, it's more than half. There is, and that's being generous, uh, that there's more than half of the career fire departments in the United States. and. I don't know about Canada, but I would say it's probably very similar um, that there is a leadership vacuum and some of these departments are very large and there seems to be a disconnect. And if you have a lot of turnover in a large organization, you know, I, I've heard executive officers talk about, well, you know, that's not my fault. Like I don't even deal with those people. You know, it's, it's the frontline supervisor. It's the lieutenants and engineers that, you know, you're failing those people. And but the question is who's failing them. That's the key thing. I mean, I remember we had the Olympics here in 2010 and I do, I have a, vast number of friends of mine that are both in the police department and also in the fire department. And a lot of them were begged to, to, to uh, postpone their retirement until after the Olympics, because it was all hands, all hands on deck. And there was a huge exodus from both services post, you know, post 2010. So 2011, 2012, 2013, there was a huge exodus of senior people, people with 20, 25 years of experience. And you're right, that leaves a huge vacuum because the problem is we don't build a culture of mentoring. You know, because you're saying this is, yeah, okay, it's the front lines people, it's their job to make sure that their teams are effective. Okay, but who's helping 
those frontline people be better to be able to elevate their skills so they can take care of their teams. It's everybody's responsibility. You know, the chiefs need to be mentoring the assistant chiefs or the people that are going to become assistant chiefs. You know, there's got to be a level of mentorship. And it's not just in the fire department. It's in any major organization. The question is, where are we going to be in five years time as an organization? And if you're an organization that's looking at it, and there's a lot of gray hair, you know, in the senior management, you're going to sit there and say, okay, what does that mean when that brain trust leaves? Because it's not just, you know, hearts walking out the door. It's minds walking out the door. It's people with experience and institutional knowledge that's not being passed on. And that's the trick. The trick is that all that institutional knowledge, that, that knowledge of, you know what, I've fought five fires in that one building over the years. And I know what the issues are and why that building should be torn down and, and instead of, you know, instead of being rebuilt and what the, what the fundamental issues are with these things and everything that goes along with it and being able to enable the rookies to be able to succeed because they see a path of mentorship and they see a, a path to success because they're being shown what it takes to be at that next level by people that are mentoring them. So I, I'm a big believer that within every organization, whether it's sales, whether it's marketing, whether it's leadership work, everything, there needs to be a more pronounced vision of, of mentorship within organizations. And there's gotta be incentive to do it. It can't be just, you need to mentor this person. There's gotta be incentives for you as a, as a mentor to mentor other people or else you won't do it. You know, if it's just for self-satisfaction, some people will, most people won't. They're going to say, my life is too busy. I don't have time for this. But if organizations can build it into the culture, if they can cook it into the culture and they can provide people in senior management incentive to be mentors to, to the next generation, they will, and the organization will thrive long-term. I love talking about leadership. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I have a, a, a hypothesis and, and I've written about it and, and being as well-versed as you are on communication and, and I'm sure um, you, you probably have a component that you teach regarding emotional intelligence and that sort of thing. Now, off the top of your head, where would you think an organization would be leadership wise if it's like a male dominated organization? You know, the problem with male, very male organizations, and I'm talking military, I'm talking fire departments, police departments, you know, organizations that are very male centric, um, if not personnel, at least in their, their culture and their, their attitudes, is that people are afraid to, A, they're afraid to fail and B, they're afraid to fail in front of other people because they don't want to look stupid. You know, people would, would rather die than be told that, you know, be shown to be wrong. And that's a major problem. We live in a world today where no one person can ever know everything. It's impossible. The amount of information that's being produced while you and I are on this podcast 
is more information than you and I could digest the rest of our lives. Think about it. The amount of information that is being uploaded on YouTube, on TEDx, on, you know, any of these educational things, the amount of content that is relevant and, and will make our lives better, there will be more content that you and I can digest the rest of our lives produced in the time that you and I are on this podcast. So to say that you know everything, that you are secure in, in, in saying, I know this definitively, is a fallacy. And we need to get away from that mentality within people and say, you know what? I need to surround myself with great people. I need to realize this is my jam. This is my superpower. This is what I'm really good at. But I know that I'm not good at this, 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 and this. And there's no shame in it. There's nothing wrong with it. What I need to do is I need to surround myself with team members that excel in areas that I don't. And I think that that's where a lot of male-centric cultures tend to you know, have very big weak points because they're, they're, not a, they're not willing to, first of all, admit that they don't know everything. They're not willing to be empathetic. They're not willing to listen to other opinions. They're not willing to take the time to realize that somebody may know better than they do. And I think as organizations, that leads to some real major problems in terms of the long term. And we need as leaders to sit there and get, get rid of our ego, get rid of the thought process that we know everything because we don't, you know, get rid of the thing that, we, that we're expected to know everything because nobody expects us to know everything. You know, the best thing I ever hear from a leader is I'm not sure. Let me find out and get back to you. And then I'll get, you know, and then they do. Now, there are situations, we'll take fires, for example, somebody just needs to make the best decision that they can in that particular case, or else somebody's going to die. Let's face it. You know, sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment, when you're running into a fire, when you have a burning building, whatever, you need somebody who is going to take a leader and say, hey, listen, at this point in time, I'm going to, I'm going to take the best information I can within sometimes seconds and be able to push my teams in the right direction to make sure that we're, we're all going to come out of this alive. I get that. But if you take a look at this from a military point of view, milita what the military does is they'll go and they'll do debriefs afterwards. What did we do right? What did we do wrong? What can we do to fix this going forward? What can we do to make this better going forward? And I think that the debrief mentality that you see in a lot of military organizations allow you to have that, you know, push hard at the moment, make the best decision you can at the moment, be the leader you need to be at the moment, but to put your ego aside when things are, when, the, when you're out of that heat of the moment and be able to say, okay, let's sit down as, as a team. Let's sit down as a, a battalion together over a meal, throw the egos aside. What went well, what didn't go well, what could we have done better? Where could we have reallocated people? How could we have made this situation safer? What can we learn from this? Learn from what you did well, what you didn't do well, and push forward and not, not point a finger at people, but sit there and say, as a team, how could we have succeeded more effectively? And I think that that's what we need to do as organizations. Yeah. So I'll... I'll tell you a little bit about my hypothesis um and 
and er everything that you just said is, is on point with what I've written. I just have uh, a little twist where um, it's, and it's not very popular. I can tell you that much. Uh, so <laughs> throw it at me. Let's, 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 let's celebrate this together and see if we can make, you know, even maybe we can make this better or it might be perfect. Who knows? So in, in, a, and we'll just uh, center our thoughts on, on the fire service, you know, um, uh, traditionally male dominated occupation. And there's been all kinds of uh, reasons given why there isn't more women in the fire service. Uh, but the reality is, and, and all of the research that I've done points to this, uh, well, fact. Gender is not a determining factor in one's ability to do well at any given occupation. Mm -hmm. So yes, male, um, you know, men by and large are going to be built in, uh, and yeah, they're going to be larger, more muscular, more upper body strength, but not all men. So in any fire department, you're going to have a small percentage of superstars that are just beefy, like can knock down a wall uh, by running at it, you know, and then there's, there's average size men. And then there's, there's little guys, not, not that they can't do the job, but they're just, they're not going to be able to break that wall down by running at it they're gonna to have to use body mechanics, use some intelligence, use teamwork, that sort of thing, right? Now there's women that are stronger than those little guys. I've worked with a lot of them. Yes, I know a few of them. But- I know women, I'm six foot two, I'm 250 pounds. I know women that can kick my butt. Now, if, and, and I've seen this happen, if, one of these um, very capable women makes a mistake. It's not because she made a mistake. It's because she's a woman. And that is, so I, I have a 14 year old daughter and I had, I've had talks with her where I'm like, listen, until things change in the fire service, I want you to, you know, work towards something else. Cause it's not the environment that I would want you to want you to be in, um, which is sad for the women that are in that environment right now. And they're being um, treated as though they're less than the men, regardless of how many men are actually, you know, more capable than them, mm -hmm. you know, um, or how many men they're more capable that you know it's uh it's frustrating but when it comes down to leadership what i've found is that when you're looking at emotional intelligence and you know i'm sure you've read dan goleman where you know he breaks down emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and there's the the more um the the characteristics that are more prevalent 
in men and the characteristics that are more prevalent in women. And some of the most important characteristics in being effective as a leader are more prevalent in women, like the empathy, you know, being able to relate to the people that you're leading, being able to communicate effectively, having- Being able to be a better listener, exactly. So, so what my hypothesis is, is that in the fire service, it's a, it's a self-perpetuating issue where you have, and you know, the fire service as a whole is predominantly run by men. And we've already discussed what culture is like when it's predominantly male, right? There's more ego and, you know, less, less uh, of a mindset that, okay, we've been doing things not as effectively as we could. So let's make some shifts. It's like, no, we've done it this way for 200 years. There's We're going to keep doing it this way. Exactly. And, you know, if I need to be like some touchy feely boss, that's never going to happen. These, you know, sissies need to go find, you know, a job at Home Depot or something like that, you know, and, and it's unfortunate because they're not communicating with the people that they need to communicate with. They don't see a reason to. And so I, I feel like if there was a culture change at the higher levels where they valued what women bring to the table with regard to leadership, then you would start to have that shift and that uh, synergistic effect of, of men and women learning from one another on how best to lead the people that they're charged with leading. No, I agree with you. I, for me, the word culture shift is, is, the, is the dynamic that needs to happen. There needs to be more women chiefs that act like women chiefs that don't try to be another male chief. Um, this is something that takes time. It takes time in every organization and especially male dominated type organizations because you're right. There's the mentality, we've always done it this way. This is the way it is. If you don't like it, go find another job. And, you know, there is a pretty macho mentality and a pretty macho um, hiring practice because it takes a certain mentality to run into a burning building. Let's, let's face it. Yeah. There's not a lot of people that want to sit there and say, okay, there's danger, I'm going to run towards it. And that is, it's, you know, and it comes down to, a, you know, adrenaline junkies. It comes down to people that are, you know, a whole bunch, a myriad of different psychological factors. But, you know, a lot of it comes down to the fact that the people that are drawn to this are people that are, you know, they're looking at it in, in, in a way where I was, I either came from a family that did this, where this was, was important or this is, you know, I, I see this as, as a way of promoting my, you know, my male dominance. 
And a lot of it comes down to hiring practice. It comes down to indoctrination practices. It comes down to culture changes within the organization. And it has to start at the top. There has to be more mentoring. There has to be more male, female chiefs. There has to be, and none of this is going to happen overnight. None of this is going to happen overnight. As the women within the organization mature and they become you know, they become lieutenants and they end up being promoted within the system and there tends to be more of them and they're able to mentor more people, the situation will change. And this could take a generation, it could take two generations, it could take three generations. It becomes, the question is, how motivated are the people at the top to see change? And if they're, if the people at the top of the food chain are not motivated to see change, if, if they're part of the good old boys network there they see the thing as well this is how i did it growing up so everybody needs to do the same thing that i did you know you get a, a generation of people that walked both ways uphill in the snow you know with with you know without shoes on you know all day long uh the world changes and women are able to do incredible things and you're right they may not be have the physical pro prowess that it's a lot of these six foot eight 245 pound guys that are, you know, that are ripped. But if you get three of them together working as a team, I'll bet you they can take, you know, take down that, you know, 206 foot nine, 245 pound guy 10 times out of 10 times. And it's a matter of understanding, are we individuals or are we part of a team? And firefighters are team members and none of them succeed together. None of them, you know, none of them fail together. Usually when there's a catastrophic failure on a, on, a, on a fire, it's because there was miscommunication and the team didn't work as a team. You know, it, it's very rarely because one person, you know, screwed up on their own. It was usually, there's usually a, a lit, liturgy of factors that happen. Right. So we need to change that mentality. We need to change that thing, but that takes leadership, that takes communication, that takes culture change, that takes training, that takes, you know, it comes down to hiring practices. It comes down to, you know, as you're putting firefighters through boot camp, what are the things that you're looking for? You still need to have people that physically are able to do the job. You know, you can't have a 98 pound weakling who can't carry a 50 pound hose up three, you know, three flights of stairs. If they can't physically do that, they can't do the job. Right. But that doesn't mean, you know, that somebody who is, as you said, five foot eight, can't do the same job as somebody who's six foot six, you know, whether they're male or female. Right. I recently had the um, the the pleasure of, of meeting this this woman who is a combat veteran, a double Purple Heart recipient. Um, she's not very big. I, I'd say she's maybe five foot four, five foot five. Mm -hmm. you, you know, um, pretty petite, and she was a combat medic in the army. Mm -hmm. She was in Iraq, got blown up a bunch of times. Out of all the times that she was blown up, she sustained injuries two of those times. Right. One of those times, when uh, the explosion occurred, you know, the, the team dispersed and I, 
the the way it was communicated to me was that it it appeared that her and the gunner and her Humvee were deceased. The entire Humvee was on fire. Well, she came to, she crawled out. Her entire team had went to take cover. She looked back. The gunner is, is unconscious on fire. She went back in the Humvee. This guy's 200 something pounds and then has all of his gear and she removed him from the burning Humvee. Wow. Burnt, burned herself mm -hmm. and got him out of there. And, you know, they both survived. Now, I've, I've heard many, many firefighters. I mean, I actually, you know, early on in my career, it was, it was a common mindset that women didn't belong in the fire service. And it was kind of, I'm, I'm not proud to say that I, I felt that way. I felt that there was, you know, some exceptions to the rule, but a really good friend of mine who, who's a woman, uh, she's a retired firefighter now. Um, she, she tuned me up, enlightened me and made me feel very small. And, um, and I wish that it hadn't taken that because I, you know, prior to that interaction, I had said a lot of ignorant stuff and, uh, I have no idea how many people I affected with my words, but, um, Moving forward, I I swore I wouldn't be one of those knuckleheads ever again. So, uh, taking this this instance where I've heard senior guys talk about how you know no woman can do what I do, no woman is gonna you know I I want to go down a burning hallway with some you know some knuckle dragger with you know black snot coming out of their face you know and you know, it's, it's one thing to, to say that, but to only identify with men that are capable of doing that. And I just, this, this woman that I'm talking about is a hero mm -hmm. and she's tiny. And I think a lot of it comes down to, we need to realize who has our back. Do we trust people? And here's what it all boils down to. Do we trust the person to our left and to our right to protect us? I mean, I, I know people in special ops. And you're responsible to the for the person who's on your right. Okay? The most senior person is all the way to the left. Because that's the person who's, who's covering everybody's back. So you not only need to realize that you're protecting somebody else's back, but somebody's protecting yours. And in any organization that you are, you need to believe that the people that you're working with, whether it's business, whether it's fire department, whether it's the military, wherever, that the people that you're working with 
are going to cover your back, that you can trust them to be there when things go wrong. And that is what the whole crux of the matter is. And the whole crux in a male-dominated society, if a wall falls down, will this woman step up and you know help get me out of there? Or is she going to panic? Or is, or is a guy going to do the same thing? And I think we need to get out of the mentality that women are weak because women are not weak. Women have different skill sets. Women have different things that they do. You know, and it's not just the physical size. I, as you said, I know five foot four women. There are fourth degree black belts that I would not want to tangle with in any way, shape, or form. You know, uh, we have different skills, and it's about leverage, and it's about mentality, and it's about understanding that you know what, my job in one way, shape, or form is to make sure that not only I get out, but everybody on my team gets out too. And that's what the paramount has got to be. That's what the that's where we need to move towards. And that's the story of change. And that's what takes leadership. You need people at the senior level of the organization to sit there and say, you know what, we need people in this fire department who are going to take care of each other. They're going to have each other's back and are going to be there for each other when, when things go wrong. And it's going to be people. Not men, not women, not anything. It's people. And you know, we need to change that mentality. And that's that's you know, that's a tough thing to change. You know, when you're dealing with an organization from stem to stern that has this belief that you know that there's things that women can do and things that men can do, and women can't do the things that men can do, some things they can't, but some things they do better. And we need to sit there and say, what are the people's strengths instead of focusing on other on people's weaknesses? I'm tempted to uh, to enlist you into um, this tabletop exercise. You know, there's a saying in in the firehouse that you know all the world's problems are solved at the dining room table. Mm-hmm. So you know, when we gather together at the station to have dinner, that's where we we figure out. You know how to solve all the problems in the world and absolutely that's so, where the real brilliance happens yeah so if if somebody were to hire you to fix this large fire department that's struggling with leadership and you can take a look at the staffing and see that you know it's a very small percentage of the workforce that's that's female and then an even smaller percentage of the executive leadership is female. How, how could you, how do you think you could go about convincing them to change? I I think that you need to start at the top And, and, and it comes down to before you do anything else, you need to have a series of individual conversations and exercises and consulting with senior leadership to find out what, what do people think when nobody else is listening? You know, where are you? you know, what is your views on this? What do, what do you truly believe? When, you know, this, this is not going to go anywhere outside of this room. What is your views on this and the future of the fire department and, and, and what are the role of women moving forward? 
And until you can understand that from a senior management point of view, both, both the men and the women, you have nowhere to begin. You know, that, that's, that's the litmus test because then you need to sit there and say, okay, if you as a senior people believe this, what are we doing in order to promote it? And that comes down to setting up mentorship. That comes down to training. That comes down to, you know, culture, culture exchanges and, and setting up, you know, interdepartmental, uh, you know, uh, you know, competitions that promote the fact that the women can do the same thing that the men can do and, and take a look at it on a pound, you know, even do it on a pound by pound basis. Okay, fine. You're, you know, you're six foot nine, you're 245 pounds. She's five foot four and 135 or 145 pounds. If you look at this on a percentage basis, she's kicking your ass. And, you know, taking a look at, at those particular things and sit there and say, yeah, you may be bigger, you may be stronger, but here's the thing, you know, do you have her back? Does she have your back? And it's not, you know, how do you guys stand in circles and, and falling into each other and have the you know, person catch you and say, okay, now, now we're all kumbaya, we're good. This takes time. And this takes a lot of conversations around dinner tables. This comes down to, you know, how people are promoted. What, what are, you know, what are the criteria that we're using in promoting and, and who's on, you know, who's on the promotions? Is it, is it only male? Is there, is there only men that are on, on the, uh, on the promotions, uh, you know, teams or is, is, is there actually men or women? You know, is it something that should be done by internal ranks or is it something that should be done ex you know, externally? You know, and take a look at it. And, and I'm not about promoting women just to promote women. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm a big believer of the best person should be hired for a job, especially in a position where, as I said, if you can't take that 50 pound, you know, hose and carry it up the four flights of stairs, you shouldn't be doing the job. Right. But if you can, and you can do whatever it takes in order to be there, and you're a man or a woman, there should be no question from that point forward whether they're a team member or they're not a team member. And that takes time. That is, that's a lot of conversations. It's a lot of, it's a lot of team building. It's a, it's a lot of, you know, having, having different discussions at different levels and, and being able to, to get to a, to a different mentality point and, and, and changing the story and the culture within the organization to sit there and say, this is about trust. And this is about we all need to have each other's back. What you just said uh, is is awesome because it, it goes right back to communication. When I've when I've taught um, my leadership class in the past, when I talk about how you build trust, and you talk about leadership being built on this foundation and and effective teams you know, need good, sound leadership. Well, mm -hmm. the foundation on which all of that is built is communication. Yeah. And without effective communication, you, you can't build trust. Mm -hmm. So, and that part of communication, and, and it, I mean, this goes back to Stoic philosophy, you know, Epictetus said that, you know, 
you have two ears and one mouth, you should be listening twice as much as you're talking. And that is how you learn who your people are and what they value and what you need to develop within yourself to add value to them. To some respects, it also, you need people senior management respect. Because if you walk in there as some management consultant that has no you know, right in their mind to tell me how to change, they're not going to. Yeah. You, know, you need to be able to prove to them that you understand them and their point of view, what their hopes, wants, and fears are, what their challenges are, what, you know, what are the things that are, uh, that are behind their viewpoints and their misconceptions. You, know, you don't have to agree with them, but you have to at least make them understand that you understand them. And if, in, until you can do that, you're never going to get them to change their mind. Yeah. Because people want to be listened to, they want to be understood, and they want to be valued. That's real simple, basic human nature. And I don't care if you're, you know, you're the, you know, the chief, or if you're, or if you're a brand, brand new firefighter, or somebody in between. Everybody wants to sit there and they want to feel that they're listened to, understood, and valued. Yeah. I mentioned that you've written two books. Mm-hmm. Where is the best place to acquire these books, and uh, what what are their titles? Yeah, there's two books. The first book is called Powerful Personal Brands a hands-on guide to understanding yours. The second book is called Leading Beyond a Crisis, a conversation about what's next. Both of them, if you go to my website, which is yourbrandmarketing.com backslash eBooks, if you go and look for the publication section, you'll get a free chapter of each of those books and it will, it will link to Amazon where you can buy them. So the, the books are both available on Amazon, but you can, you can grab a free chapter of both my books on the yourbrandmarketing.com website. And that's where everything is. That's where you can find links to my podcast. You can get in touch with me on social media. You can find out about my leadership training. You can find about me creating you know, customized podcasts for companies to help them with more effective communication amongst the organization. Everything is sitting there within one, one, one simple place. Have you worked with uh, any fire departments with regard to leadership development? You know what? I've worked vicariously. I haven't you know, done any physical work with them in terms of, of, of actually being hired on, but I, I have done some consulting work uh, for, for different, you know, different departments, you know, through, through the fire departments, through the police departments, you know, military, I've got friends within all organizations. So, you know, I've done some, you know, some consulting work. But there's nothing that I've done where people, a fire department has brought me in to do change management through their entire organization. But I, you know, I find that interesting work, and it, it, a lot of it comes down to understanding the dynamics of that particular fire department. And if you can understand the dynamics of where they are, where they want to go, then you can build the bridge. And that's what it is. It's about building a bridge between where you are today, where you want to go and then building the skill sets in order to get you there. My goal through talking with individuals like you and through uh, my book, well, I'll be uh, doing a book release. Probably the, the hope is that I'll release my book the end of this 
the end of this summer. Um, but just through getting the word out and really trying to help communicate what true leadership is all about, you know, maybe, maybe somewhere along the, along the road, the culture and the fire service will, will shift. And, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with me today about this. And, um, and I, I've, I'm walking away, uh, more enriched now just through this conversation. Um, cause I, I feel like, uh, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not cuckoo, you know? <laughs> well, look at it this way. 50 years ago, there were no women in the fire department at all. If they were, they were a secretary somewhere. You know, today we have female firefighters. Today we have senior leaders within the fire departments. Not in old fire departments, but we have senior people in the fire. Change is coming change has come there is change that has been enabled and will continue to change and the more we can talk about it the more we can open up the more we can get people to realize that change is good and makes the department a better department because there are both men and women defending the citizenry of the of the city that they're in you know what the better off we're going to be. And that's not something that's going to happen today. It's not something that's going to happen tomorrow, but it's going to be the ongoing conversations like these that's going to enable that to happen to a point where one day we're going to have fire departments where you're going to have, we have firefighters. We don't have firemen. We don't have firewomen. We have firefighters. And, you know, that's, that's good. That, that differentiation won't mean anything. Ben, I really, really appreciate you, uh, coming on and talking with me and this has been this has been an awesome conversation is is there anything that we didn't talk about that you you think maybe we should have touched on well i think that the one thing that we did talk about and, and i'll just mention it, is that change takes effort change takes determination and it takes leadership and if we don't have leaders that are open to change and don't have a reason to change change will not occur and you know we can't be afraid of change we can't be afraid of what the future may become you know the world is going to change whether we like it or we don't like it yeah. you know it's just the evolve look at look at the last 14 months you know, 14 months ago, there were hundreds of millions of people that were told that you will never work from home. You know, we, you have to come into the office eight o'clock in the morning on a Monday, and you're going to be there eight hours a day, five days a week, and that's it. Guess what? Work from home is 40 to 50% of, of the population today, and it probably will never be less than 30% moving forward. Technology has changed that organizations must change we need to evolve and we need to be better and that just means different thought processes and we can't be afraid of realizing that we don't know all we don't have a crystal ball we don't know exactly where we're going but we have to have the determination to sit there and say you know what this is where i want to go i'm going to make mistakes along the way 
things are not always going to be smooth. Sometimes they're going to get messy, but I need to have the conviction to make sure that we end up where we need to be. Like it. That's pretty cool. Um, well, thanks for having me on the show, Dave. I have absolutely enjoyed this. I've enjoyed the conversation and I hope that this has been valuable to your audience. Oh, I, I have no doubts that it will be. And, um, I mean, it's been valuable for me. So uh, I, I have no doubt that, that the listeners will, will get a lot out of this conversation. And, um, you know, every episode, I, I get notes from people that, you know, it's, thank you. You know, that's, this was enlightening. I, I actually took notes and <laughs> so it's, it's pretty cool. You know, when I it first, is cool. when I first started off doing this, I, kind of just you know an experiment to, to see if anybody would listen to to my conversations <laughs> well thank you for all you do thank you for your service as a firefighter thank you to all your listeners who are in the various departments for all your service because you know what the world is better off because of you all and i and i i personally want to say thank you and i appreciate it Thank you. And, and thank you for everything that, that you do to, you know, help organizations get better. And, and it's just, it's funny, no matter where you go there, there is, um, there change is needed. Better leadership is needed. And, you know, I, I really appreciate all the work that you do to, to help develop people. So, well, if I can help anybody out there, it's Ben at yourbrandmarketing.com or just through my website at yourbrandmarketing.com. Always happy to have a free conversation, always happy to help. And it's all about understanding what your needs and your goals are first. Thank you for listening to this episode of From Embers to Excellence. Please like and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Follow me on your favorite podcast platform and visit hollenbachleadership.com for additional content. My goal is and always will be to add value to as many people as possible. So if I can be of any assistance to you or someone you know, please connect with me via email or on one of my social media accounts linked on the homepage of my website. Remember, our failures don't define us unless we let them. And the only true measure of a leader is the success of their team.